Welcome to Grab Life Big. Grab Life Big. The exclusive podcast for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic life. Or as a few of us say, that as rich guys who do epic shit. And now, your host, Pat Hybin. If this is empty, this doesn't matter. I'm glad you were home. I'm always home. I'm uncool. Me too. You're doing great, dude. The only true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're uncool. Is that my advice to you? And I know you think these guys are your friends. If you want to be a true friend to them, be honest and unmerciful. Wrong Tribe Confounds, The Right Tribe Compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller Tribe of Millionaires, a $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. All right, go bros. Welcome to have Life. A big a Mr. Brent is here with me, and we're going to dig deep into his world brent welcome to grab life big thanks for having me hey why don't you kind of give everybody the five minute story of your life starting with the day you were born and going till today so long story short i'm almost 40 years old I'm born in ann arbor michigan grew up middle class moved out to montana uh, for university of montana for college had a great experience out there and got into real estate my sophomore year of college, did an internship for one of the top agents here in the Midwest and have gotten into real estate, been doing that almost 20 years now. I'm happily married, um, woman of my dreams, two young kids, have a three-year-old uh, boy, a five-year-old girl and just kind of opening my eyes up to what GoBundance guys are doing well and a lot of room for improvement. Uh, still live in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and chasing some big dreams and kind of starting that journey in the next chapter of my life. Awesome. And so let's get into your one sheet then. Sounds good. All right. So first of all, Brent, what percentager are you? I am a four percenter. All right, guys. And if you don't know what a percentager is, obviously a hundred percenter is somebody whose family personal bills is 100% paid by their horizontal income, the, the money that's coming in sideways from investments. So 4% of his bills are paid every month by horizontal lines of income. What, uh, what, is that, what, is, what are those horizontal lines equal? So that's probably pretty conservative, but I think it's safe to be on that side. Um, I have three cash-flowing residential properties where most of that income comes from. I have a few development deals that I don't count as passive. Um, we just flipped the house, things like that. Um, some money coming in from leases and farm leases and things of that that are on those properties right now until we flip them. 
sitting on a pretty heavy chunk of cash, um, thinking this market might make a shift. So getting some, a little bit of money there, but that's probably why it's so low. What are you getting in a money market? Uh, right now I'm getting, I've got it sitting in, in uh, I use 360 Capital One, getting about, I get 2%. It's not about. You get two? Yeah. Yeah, yeah my guy just put me into some, a um, money market at two and a quarter, which, you know, is kind of silly, but, but actually there's people out there chasing cap rates of three and a half now, I, now and I think it's absolute asinine to buy a piece of real estate for a three and a half percent return uh, when you can get two and a half percent in a fully or, or close to two and a half, two and a quarter, two in a fully liquid <laughs> investment, you know. So why, why are you thinking that, you know, we're peaking, we're in the ninth inning? It's a lot of different things, and I don't know if we're in the ninth inning, but I believe that uh, there will be opportunity that doesn't exist today in the near future, 18 to 24 months. I have a low risk tolerance. I think as I've joined the group, one of the bigger things I've learned is to get some bigger cojones and go at some deals, not be scared of my own shadow, and that you know I'm actively involved in residential sales every day, so I've got a pretty good grasp of what's going on, and I can't predict what's going to happen, but things feel like it's a little bit of a musical chairs right now. I want to stay close to a chair and be ready to plop down and double down and go hard at it when opportunity presents itself. And that could happen with a market shift or that could just happen with, you know, digging hard for deals. Yeah. Patience is a very hard thing to learn, especially for people like me, probably like you too. It's very hard. It's probably now a good time to start flexing our patience muscles or trying to build them. Talk to me about your vertical income, the income you earned by trading time for money. What, uh, what was your vertical income, of, would you say, of the last 12 months? So um, looking at my one sheet, putting all our stuff together, we're about 775 Is And not until I joined this group did I think I thought that was a pretty good number and was pretty happy with it. And now that I realize that cash isn't king, it's cash flow and starting to really put a focus on not just trading time for money, like you mentioned. And uh, although keeping that high and growing that, but not putting my focus on that as much as I used to. And is that a gross or a net number there, 775? That is a gross. And then what would that, what would your net profit be on that? What I have left to invest after office, home, lifestyle is about 275. And then what do you have uh, when you add your, your home back on? What do you mean when you add the... Well, yeah, yeah. Like left to invest is, is, a, is a fucking great number because it's, it's basically taking your gross minus your expenses and then, and then taking out, again, your, your personal expenses. And it's a true number of what you have left to invest. Let's say from your real estate sales business, you just paid your business expenses there. What, what's your net? Before taxes, about five hundred. Okay, that's what I was getting at. So about five hundred grand. So decent. All right. So let's get into some uh, health things. What do you weigh, Brent? Two twenty-five. It's probably my weakest pillar. I'll just come out and say it. <laughs> what do you What do you want to weigh? I'm well rounded now. I want to. My goal is to be, and I will weigh under two hundred before I go on my Christmas trip. Wow. So, like, how are you going to lose twenty-five pounds in a couple of months? Um, so I've got a couple months, I guess, is longer, but you know, today's date, you know, um, I mean, have you done that before? Have you, 
I have. Um, okay. So it's changing lifestyle, changing intake, increasing output. Right now I'm focusing on a charity swim and that's all I'm focusing on. And after that swim, which is unfortunately the same date as the Go Abundance Austin trip, but I'll switch back to cutting carbs, fighting not just to get through this swim, but fighting to lose weight and exercising for that purpose. So are you going keto, intermittent fasting, or just like regular like Atkins diet where you're just like so cutting carbs? A little bit of both. Um, so keto and I have never done intermittent fasting, uh, but that is on the radar to start and go through that process and see how my body reacts to it. And so what do you do for exercise? Um, as I just mentioned, I'm in the process of swimming a pretty lengthy open water swim for charity. And right now I'm in the water four days a week. And it's right now it's anywhere between four and six hours a week in the water. No kidding. And then how, what do you do a mile every time you jump in or what? At minimum a mile, but I'm trying, you know, I'll get up, I'll do longer swims of four and five. And four, four and five miles? Yeah. What is the race? What is the race? How many miles is the race? So the last time I swam the exact same swim from the other side of the coast, I swam down the first time. I'm swimming up this time. It took me 6.2 miles across, but the current is a bitch. What the? F like, did you swim as a kid? I did quite a bit. I was going to say, man, I mean, like the regular normal human being couldn't even work up to that. I mean, six miles? I mean, triathlon's only like 1.2, right? A all different. Yeah, an Olympic. But yeah, the Ironmen are going longer. The cool thing about this swim is it's never the same. It's through the Great Lakes. So you connect the shortest part of the Great Lakes. You swim across that. Um, nasty current. It really just mentally gets you prepared for the worst day could take, you know, four to six hours, realistically. Uh, or you get pulled out if it's too bad. My goal is to be under two and a half hours if weather cooperates. Wait a minute. Like, so it's a multiple days? Nope. One day, straight across. All one day, straight across. Yep. Wow. That's crazy, man. All right, cool. Well, good for you. Good for you. And when is that? That's in, in December? August 11th. Oh, okay. I was going to say. So that's, we are yeah. raising money for one life to bring it to Detroit. So if anyone's feeling generous, don't be shy. Oh, yeah. I saw something on that. Tell, tell everybody about that. Maybe you tell them where to go and all that stuff. Yeah. Yep. So I posted a link on our Elite page. Uh, my goal is to, not just personally, but my goal is to get to about $10,000 before the swim. We're at 6100 right now. We've got some corporate matches coming in, which will get us there pretty confident. And then over, we're bringing One Life Fully Lived with obviously the help of Tim and a lot of other people to Detroit in November of 2020. So the goal is to raise another $10,000 between now and that date to secure that at minimum to get people just to realize that, you know, the wonder of what One Life and Dare to Dream can do for a city. The wrong tribe confounds, the right tribe compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller Tribe of Millionaires, a $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. What is uh, going on in Detroit, dude? Like, what, what's the economics? What's it look like compared to 10 years ago? I know it was kind of jacked up a little bit 10 years back. Uh, what, what can you tell us today? Hey, you know, in full disclosure, I don't do any work and I don't invest in Detroit, um, you know, other than spending some time and enjoying it and bringing one life down there or trying to. Uh, the, the climate for the downtown 
nucleus of Detroit has gotten a lot better, um, a lot less corruption going on. It's got a, three or four major players that are kind of carrying the torch right now and a lot of small investors coming in. It's gotten significantly better. Um, it also has a lot of room for improvement and you know, there's a lot of empty houses, a, um, a lot of crime going on in the outskirts, but they're really on the right trajectory for getting the city on the, the new path. So you think it's gonna, you think it's gonna be a, a bustling city one day? You know, fast forward 10, 20 years. I do. I, I mean, I believe in it. I think it's got a long ways to go. There's a lot of opportunity there. Politically, I think it's positioned to do so, and values are pretty good. On there's a lot of just investment opportunities for people who want to take a little bit of risk. Wow, like what? Single-family houses. I mean, if you're just chasing cash flow, you can probably buy. In some of the you know not so great areas, you can still buy for seven to fifteen thousand on a single-family house. Seven to fifteen thousand. You buy the house, you own a house. Yep. Right? But now this thing's been vacant eight years, right? Sometimes a lot longer. So you just have to be very twenty careful. years. I mean, there's thousands of houses that are up for sale every day at low numbers. I mean, there's GoBundance guys that are buying these things in, in bulk. Oh, in really? Bulk. Who's doing that? There's a couple guys. One of the guys is out of Arizona. I don't know his name. I've, like I said, I, I stayed out of it. It's not something. Yeah, so they're buying them in bulk. That, I hadn't heard that. That's interesting. I read a book called A $500 House in Detroit or something like that. A dude bought a house for $500 and moved into it. Then he wrote a book about it. But he was saying that you know they were, he was surrounded by houses that were completely empty. Like, like, and the, most of them had like trees growing in, in the living room. Trees, you know? popping through the roofs there'll be trees you know yeah. uh, just crazy i mean it's a very spotty area and like i said i'm not an expert in it but i have a, quite a few friends that are dominating that market and doing well but i mean you're you go through whole city blocks where there aren't any houses they've all been torn down converted back to farms or just abandoned structures farms knock down 100 houses and build a farm yep urban farming or uh, just like the the reverting back to what it was, right? Like before that, you know, people usually buy farms and develop houses. The opposite of that, they're buying houses and developing farms. Yeah, I mean, the city's gone, uh, you know, just the amount of infrastructure that Detroit has is significantly larger than a lot of cities. Population has gone from 2 million to 800,000. So rather than having to police those houses and, you know, keep fire and services on them, they're just detaching them, taking them down and, um, getting rid of a lot of the blight. But like I said, opportunity is there. I truly believe the downtown looks significantly different than it did 10 years ago. Um, some major key players down there that are pouring a lot of money in with government help. And, you know, it feels safe where 10, 15 years ago, you probably wouldn't go in a lot of those areas you would go today and desire to go. Mm, crazy. All right. So let's uh, shift back to your one, one sheet here. What is your life happiness index scale of one to 10? It's, it's tough for me to be honest with those numbers with myself. I tend to be a little critical. Um, mine right now is 7.4. Um, and there's two of them that I think are pulling that down. But uh, other than that. What, yeah. what specifically, what two are pulling them down? My diet and horizontal income are the two that are significantly lower than I think they should be. So the two, the two pillars, that are, I mean, the two things on the Life Happiness Index that are down the most our horizontal income and uh, basically health, right? Diet, Correct. diet and exercise. Well, not exercise. You're crushing it there. Diet, I guess, right? Correct. 
Okay. All right. And let's talk about your greatest hits. Like if, if someone were to do to Brent's life, how old are you, Brent? 39? 39, yep. So 39 years, the last 39 years, we take that and we, we take five greatest hits out of there on Brent's greatest hits album. Um, uh, you know, just phenomenal memories, right? What, what are your five greatest hits? So I thought about that after it was a great question. I've heard it before, but never forced myself to answer it. So um, writing them down, I think going to school in Montana was a, a great hit for me. I kind of transformed from what I would say was a boy at the time to moving into what it became, you know, defined what it meant to be a man. Uh, grew up a lot there, got some lifelong friendships, um, had a great appreciation that I found through the outdoors. Um, you know, that was a good experience for me, a great experience. I think starting a real estate career, you know, was another greatest hit for me. I gained confidence. I realized that the world was my oyster, that no matter what happened in any, I learned how to sell. I had a, what you know, was your degree in? Uh, I did business management and marketing. And did you go straight into real estate sales from that? I started an internship my sophomore year of college and jumped into that full-time right after. Uh, uh, you started a internship for a real estate company in college? Yeah, by, uh, Bob Bolin I mean, kind of connects me back to yep. Fred Gross, all that stuff. Um, I did an internship my sophomore year just being his bitch in essence, um, putting up signs, weed whipping, dropping flyers, lockboxes. Uh, six days a week and one day a week I got to shadow Bob. So it was a really good experience. And it was, it just gave me the confidence to say that no matter what happens in the market, no matter what happens in the world, I feel like I could, if I had to go anywhere and kind of like your interview questions, you know, if I got stuck on an Island and I had to sell real estate, I feel like I could make it. And who, Okay. So first did Bob, first of all, who was Bob Bolin? Bob Bolin at the time when I was interviewing in college was the number one agent in Michigan, had closed about 800 deals the year before I came. Whoa. Started doing syndications, started, you know, I learned as much what to do from Bob as what not to do sometimes. Um, but in my mind was my business mentor on teaching me how to get into sales, how to be accountable, and just a really good mentor from teaching and all that fun stuff. But definitely uh, learned a lot of things what not to do as well. And did Bob Bolin pay you for this quote unquote internship? He gave me a draw against future commissions to allow me to survive. And then it was 100% commission for the next. So you got your license in college? Correct. Correct. Okay. And then, but you were really in Montana, right? So you, this was over the summer or something? Yep. So I, I, my first summer, I went, long story short, in Montana. We had a few too many drinks and we decided we were going to go to New Zealand and go skiing for the you know, different hemisphere, get some skiing in during the summer. Um, they pulled our work visas. I ended up in Maui for the summer working on a fishing boat and waiting tables. And I tried to read a book a week. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. My next summer, I said, okay, I'm going to start doing real estate as that got me inspired to get some you know, growth in that part of my life. I didn't come from a family that understood that. Um, so I called Bob Bolin and just asked him, you know, could I come work for you? I read this book. I want to work with you. So I called him and then I did a summer internship and then I would prospect people um, from my college dorm room or fraternity room at the time, set appointments and then came home for Christmas, spent time with them and then came back in the summer. And when the day I graduated, I had five days to get home and start prospecting. Okay. So what'd you learn from him? What would you say? If to sum it all up, what would you say you learned? I learned 
that's a tough question because there's so many things that I learned. It was like drinking out of a fire hose, but mostly how to sell, how to be accountable, you know, cash flow, taking all your CCM classes, being introduced to people like Dr. Fred Gross, which in essence leads me back to guys like you. And I learned life balance a bit. I don't think Bob was balanced, how to create motivation, things like that. Um, I watched a lot of deals and a market shift as he was heavily leveraged in certain areas of his life. A lot of things that uh, I don't think you can read in a book, but to watch made a huge impact on, that's probably why I'm more conservative financially is not wanting to risk everything and always putting 100% down and double down on every bet. So Yeah, uh, great lessons. Uh, that was a great time. And I learned a lot from Bob too. So that um, I appreciate you sharing that. Now, so then, you know, straight out of college, then you went right into real estate. So I, it's interesting. So I did the same thing. And I think that's great. I mean, that's, uh, I'm sure you made a lot of money compared to your friends that got in and started selling other things that didn't have as high commissions. It was a slow ramp up. I was more in for the knowledge because I wasn't sure how long Bob would be there. But yeah, I mean, within a year or two, I was above probably most of the guys that I graduated with that were doing pretty well. Um, so that's why I call it a greatest hit. It really just gave me the wings to fly and wrote the next chapter of my life and end up meeting my wife there, which is another one of my greatest hits is, you know, getting engaged. Um, that was kind of the day that I said, she right, was an agent. She wasn't long story, but she, she knew somebody I knew who was involved in the real estate office. So that, that was a moment I would say is the greatest hit getting engaged, realizing that I get to spend the rest of my life with a woman that I desire. And you know, that, sharing that with friends and family. And that was kind of a start of the next chapter of, you know, shit getting real and growing up, <laughs> um, watching my kids get born and holding them and just finding a new appreciation of love that I didn't know existed. Um, that was a great hit. And then my final for the top five greatest hits, I think is we spent a month traveling New Zealand with both of our kids, we rented an RV and it was just an amazing time without technology. I can't say without technology, without phones, and just really quality time in the outdoors and experiencing a really cool country and culture. Wow. And um, uh, th those are all, you know, awesome, greatest hits, right? I mean, and you brought, your, you brought your kids on the month-long one, right? Oh, yeah. They were wow. young. And, and how'd they take that? They loved it. They want to go back right away. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. So you, you made up for getting kicked out of – why did you get kicked out of Australia in the first place, by the way? We, we, were, we never made it to New Zealand. So you didn't make it. Our freshman year, our goal was to go there and just be ski bums and ski instructors. And the economy crashed in New Zealand, so they pulled all work visas unless they were people that couldn't be a job that wasn't able to be performed by a resident. They pulled all work visas. Interesting. Um, and that's why I ended up in Maui, and I always wanted to go to New Zealand, so I saw an opportunity. And so you had, you had already... You had already um You'd already paid for a ticket that far. So you said, hey, what, what's the farthest I can go that I don't need a passport you know, <laughs> exactly. or whatever? And you ended up in Maui. Exactly. It's not bad. So. That's an interesting concept there, a whole country pulling that to give people that are already there jobs. I wonder if the U.S. has ever considered doing that or what would happen if they did it. Good Lord. Can you imagine? I won't go there. Yeah. Wow. All right. So let's, let's spin to the future. 10 years from now, how old are your kids now? My son is three and a half and my daughter's five. 
All right, so you got a 13-and-a-half-year-old and a 15-year-old. Tell me what else that picture looks like, Brent. Paint it for me. For me, I think it's, you know, from a financial perspective, I can, you know, I'm over 100 percenter. I can choose to trade time for money if I desire to. I can chase the bigger deals. Um, I don't have to go to work. I get to go to work. Um, Doing extended travel, getting out of some of our Michigan winters that are quite cold and can be difficult to be in. I am still in love with my wife. Um, great father. I'm active. I'm, you know, not only, you know, part of the kid's life, but I desire to spend time with them and they desire to spend time with me. I'm in curiosity and continuing to learn. Love it, dude. I mean, what else is there, right? I mean, uh, 100% and unhealthy and all that. Other yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what about, let's talk about bucket list adventures. What, give me five uh, bucket list adventures that are on your list that you want to complete before you kick the bucket? So I don't know if all of them are adventures. I guess they are in a weird way, shape, or form. But you know, our goal is to build a dream house to create an environment for our family. We're in the process of that now. So that's a big bucket list is to have an amazing environment that we, you know, is our Shangri-La. We come home to and just love it. We can you know, raise our family for the next, you know, 20 years there. Enjoy it. Entertain. I want to get to 100% uh, sooner rather than later where I get to come to work. I don't have to. That's a big deal for me. Um, I have the desire to do a six-month travel trip with the kids and and my wife Um, with no reservations, just go, Um, knowing that we're not coming back for six months and wherever it leads us and just kind of float through the world, shall you say, and experience different cultures and people. I want to swim from Manitou Islands to Sleeping Bear Dunes, which is um, in Lake Michigan. It should be about a nine-mile swim and then as a reward, get to spend some time in a beach house uh, for a couple of weeks there once it's successfully swam. And I eventually will start a nonprofit that myself and my family are passionate about and it brings us together, but also, you know, we unite in the same direction and goal, whatever that leads us to. Yeah, those are awesome. I mean, that's a mix of bucket list adventures and future greatest hits, and which is fine. They're all awesome stuff. So, Let's talk about what you mentioned earlier, giving back, starting your own nonprofit, that sort of thing. What, what, what do you do now? And if, you, if money were no object, uh, what would you do from a fulfillment standpoint as far as who, what would your nonprofit, who would your nonprofit benefit and how? It's a great question I struggle with because I spend so much of my time in real estate trading time for money that if I didn't have to work, it would have to be something that really forced me to get out of bed every day. And for me, I think it would be kids that didn't have the opportunity that you know a lot of us were given or don't have the ability to get over some of the hurdles that uh, we were able to get over in our lives. And just encouraging them, mentoring them, and, and being a long-term process from you know, middle school all the way through early adulthood and, and building relationships with those people. That's awesome. I, I answered the same thing. I actually did. It wasn't charity.org. It was some charity, you know, charity volunteer, volunteer match. That's what I did. Volunteer match. And um, it asked you a series of questions like, what, what do you want? And, and my answers came to have to do with kids, you know, because kids give me so much energy. You know what I mean? And I just love being a kid and hanging around kids. And, and so that's where I ended up started to volunteer a lot with kids. 
And so, um, so I would, uh, you and I would probably have a similar charity in mind for sure. Well, next time I see you, we'll grab a beer, a cup of coffee and chat more about that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And so talk to me about, uh, let's talk about your, your family growing up. Like you have siblings, what's your deal there? I have a sister who turns 41 today. Great. We have a good relationship with her. She's got two young girls as well. Uh, She lives on the other side of the state. Um, Grew up relatively middle class. Um, Both my parents are still alive. Um, Both live in the town that I, you know, close town I work in, close to where I live. Um, Somewhat dysfunctional family, I would say is a polite way to say it, but (laughs) we, we survived. Show me one that's functional, right? I mean, it's crazy, yeah. That's funny. Um, okay, so let's uh, let's pick a few cards from the GoBundance deck here. Are you up for some <laughs> random questions? If you're up for some random answers. All right, I'm going to ask you two of them. The first one I'm going to ask you is, what is something that is really popular now, but in five years everyone will look back on and be embarrassed by? Well, that's a great question. I would say I think a lot of people will have good stories about either Cryptocurrency, investing in that or in the weed space, you know, that they're throwing money at these investments without a whole lot of understanding just because it's kind of trendy. And I think a lot of people will do well, but we'll all have good stories in five years saying, I got my ass handed to me in this this field that is completely different than it does today. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. That's awesome. That's a good one. All right. Uh, let's spin the deck here. Okay. In 40 years... What will people be nostalgic for? Um, I think personal relationships. I think people will be fighting to have personal connections. Is you know, I think technology is going to continue to influence people's lives and will kind of go back and do full circle where you want to have a conversation with someone face-to-face or you want to have the intimacy of a, a true handshake and connection with somebody versus you know, just lighting somebody up via text all the time. Yeah. I think that's almost a loaded question. Like I think nine out of 10 people would give that answer. Right. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I think everybody's already yearning for that, you know, like it or not. I mean, I just, it drives me nuts the way these kids are on the phone so much. I just want to throw, you know, I want to create a, a YouTube channel called throwing random people's phones out my window. Let's do it. And then, and then put cameras built into my car. And when people get in it and sit on the, get on their phones, I grab them, especially kids, and throw them out the window and just watch their reaction. You know, I have enough money what are you to buy them for? on your phone. <laughs> you know. Oh, my God. Um, all right. I'm going to ask you another one because that was too easy. What, what do you love and appreciate about yourself, Brent? That's a great question. I think, it, you know, different times of the day and different times of – my life journey, there's different aspects, but I think my goal to um, seek growth and learning is a, a skill that I really, you know, have acquired and appreciate and don't take for granted. And uh, along with that, I think in growing and learning has just been adventure seeking. Going different places and staying in curiosity has been something that I, if I lost it, I think I'd be very sad. Yeah, I love that, dude. Well, good. All right, buddy. Well, um, I'm going to wrap this up. I appreciate you coming on and, and sharing so candidly. And uh, I look forward to getting together with you. You're not going to Austin, right? I will be at Aspen, though. You'll be in Aspen? All right. Well, I will be there, too. So I look forward to, uh, I need to chat with you about Cuba. Yes, Cuba. There's a call tomorrow. 
12 o'clock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's going to be epic. Cuba is going to be epic, guys. If you're not, if you're listening, you're not signed up for Cuba. That talk about bucket list items. I mean, it's a couple's trip, so you have no excuse, and it'll be the best present you could ever buy for your wife. And it, it's it's not cheap, but it's worth every penny because, you know, it's very possible pl- the plug will get pulled even more and uh, lessen. Uh, you know, you'll never be able to get there. So. Anyways, uh, yeah, definitely. I'll be on that call tomorrow, too, and uh, we will chat in Aspen about it for sure. Pat, thanks for all you do and all the elders, and I greatly appreciate your time. All right, Brent. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye. In life, to be honest, I've failed as much as I've succeeded. But I love my wife. I love my life. And I wish you my kind of success. Don't step to me, don't step to me, bitch. Now you can create-